Welcome to Supply Chain Partners TV and podcast, where we discuss innovative solutions delivered by our members at Supply Chain Partners. Our members can help you to build a high-performing business and supply chain. I'm Dr. Sharon Grant, the founder of Supply Chain Partners. I've worked in the logistics and supply chain management field for over 20 years, and I specialize in strategic supply chain performance management. Let's now introduce our member. With us today is Danielle Dobson, the founder of Code Conversations. Code Conversations work with high potential women within organizations to break down the code they are currently operating under, releasing them from the conditioning of their own code and stepping into the high performing individuals they know they are capable of being. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Sharon. I'm really excited to be here and speak with you today. Today's episode is about breaking the gender code to drive premium business performance. Danielle, you have significant experience with unlocking the full potential of women in leadership and life. Many professionals and organizations may not be familiar with the term gender code. So what is the gender code? That's such a great question because I can totally understand why people aren't familiar with it because it's something that I've coined myself following my research. So into social research, neuroscience, history, and then interviewing over 100 high-performing leaders across a range of professions. So this included men and women, predominantly women. And what I discovered through this research is that we're all operating under this code, the gender code, and it's like a societal algorithm and it pigeonholes each of us into different boxes based on our gender. So, you know, we have like the blue box, which in that box are people who are providers, leaders and hunters. And then in the pink box, we have people who are nurturers, carers and supporters of people in the blue box. And this programming along gender lines isn't really helpful for any of us because actually the gender code doesn't even consider people who don't identify with either the blue or the pink box. So it's quite damaging. And for each of the boxes, there's a training program, a set of rules and expectations, and we're either punished or rewarded based on how well we conform. And while not all of us may follow the the programming along gender lines, society dictates a lot of this coding and programming and sets the norms. So it is something that can be incredibly damaging and detrimental and stops each and every one of us from stepping into our own unique potential at work, at home, and in the way we contribute to society. Thank you, Danielle. That's a great explanation about the gender code. So why are organisations still struggling with the gender code? That's such a a really great question because often people are unaware of it in terms of the context of it being a code. Often the expectation or the assumption is that it's up to each individual person to make their own success. But the interesting thing about the gender code is it increases pressures to perform and sets these high expectations. So for individuals, it can be pressures like perfectionism, imposter syndrome, hypermasculinity, busyness, the emotional load. And then for leaders, it can create and lead to uh, pockets of unsupported culture in the organisation 
team members failing to step up and take on leadership roles, less safety in terms of psychological safety, which impacts innovation, creativity, mental health and well-being. So all the important jobs getting done and we're not seeing the progression that leaders and their teams want to see. And then also from a business perspective, whether it's real or perceived, the gender code left unchecked can impact business performance. It can increase risk and damage business brand, which just is a spanner in the works for business success. That's quite significant. So how are these organisations struggling with the gender code? In so many ways. I guess it's the actual impact of it is that they're just not able to hire the people that they want. So I guess it's that starting process. So we've got workforce issues in terms of numbers and capability. So it's getting the right people, it's retaining them. And like, so you might actually have the right people and women in particular, but if you don't have the right environment for them to thrive in, where they feel included and like they belong, then they're not going to stay. And then they're also, it plays out in terms of development. Like how do we develop these people to become leaders, to step into those roles when we're doing all that we can and investing, but it's just, we're just not getting the critical mass. So that's how, I guess, not understanding the gender code and its impact is affecting organisations. That's interesting. So when working for an organisation or when deciding whether to work for an organisation, it's important to know the position of the organisation in terms of the gender code. So what are the signals that an organisation still hasn't broken the gender code? Oh, there's so many. And sometimes they're really obvious and then sometimes you have to actually research them. So an obvious one would be a change of leadership at the top. So revolving door of leadership. Another one would be having very few women and people of diverse backgrounds and perspectives, like diverse perspectives at the top in in terms of leadership. If it's a a large company, you can easily get that information from looking up the annual reports and things like that because they usually have to report on those kind of things because they have targets. There's also people are able to have a look at the employer of choice list, which is something that the Workplace Gender Equality Agency administers for organisations to apply to be an employer of choice. And there's a whole lot of criteria that those organisations have to meet. And a lot of them, are the vast majority are around gender equity, equality, diversity and inclusion. So uh, that's some really easy ways to have a look at that. And then there's the kind of a little bit more, less obvious indicators. So when you actually speak to people in the organisation and get their perspective, because sometimes on a page or in terms of a company report or on social media or like, you know, LinkedIn, that's the preferred platform for businesses. There might be a an image that they are sort of trying to get across or an image that they're displaying, which actually does not translate on the ground. So I've worked with an organisation who had everything in place, a global organisation that had everything in place in terms of policies, programs, diversity, equity, inclusion, teams, employee resource groups. They had everything in place. The challenge was, and this is why... I was brought in with a team of people, is that they had pockets of unsupportive, let's call it boys club culture, that's what they called it, in parts of the organisation and typically sales. So they wanted to break that down. So, But if you were to look at their website or their LinkedIn feed, you wouldn't get any indication of that. 
So it's important to understand the broader signals of what's going out, but then also what's actually going on in the, on the ground because perception is everything. So there's a difference between providing all of those pillars for diversity, equity and inclusion and people to be able to flourish. So, the, you know, programs in place, supports, there might be coaching, there might be speaking events, they might even have targets. But then the lived reality of the people in that organisation can be a totally different thing. And two people sitting next to each other under the exact same conditions experience things differently. And the only way to understand that is to ask them. So I think that is what I encourage people to do, to look for those signals. You've mentioned quite a few ways to identify the signals. So how is this impacting business performance? Mm, That's such a great question. So if we look at women in particular, so focusing on women, women leaving organisations, it is happening, it's increasing more and more. So, and, and that's across the board and women in leadership roles. So over the pandemic, we saw an increased number of women leaving the workforce temporarily or permanently to take on caring roles and responsibilities. That's bounced back a little bit. But what we're seeing now in terms of women in leadership roles, that they are living in droves. This is a phenomenon across Australia, the US and in the UK, because women are now they're able to see it, but they don't want to be it. So that sort of form of leadership that has traditionally happened in the past, where we have the ideal worker or someone who is 100% focused on work, they don't want to do that. They don't want to be that because they're also taking on additional caring roles in, in like I said, the the pink box at, at home, also expected to do more of the mental health, well-being, diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives in their workplace. Uh, they take on more emotional load at work and at home, having more conversations, checking in with their people and these sort of things. So it's resulting in burnout and women just walking away, creating their own businesses or uh, dialing down like consultancy and things like that. So the impact, most if not all leaders understand that the financial impact of people leaving. So not only, you know, looking at the investment of that person all the way through in terms of development to get to leadership, but also trying to replace them and recruit for them. So that is having a major impact on bottom line. And also in terms of costs that aren't necessarily measured and accounted for, the costs of lack of innovation and creativity. Uh, So sometimes having the same people in the room who think the same, you get to outcomes quicker. Absolutely. Uh, So there's less cost in that sense. So what if the decision that was made that was quicker and more cost effective was the wrong decision and ultimately cost the organisation a lot more in the long run? So they're the kind of costs that aren't necessarily spoken about and identified, but they're there and they're real. Obviously, those things, losing people, losing good people, losing future leaders is impacting the bottom line. It's impacting customer service and uh, customer relationships and client relationships and contributes to presenteeism if people aren't firing on all cylinders and loving what they do and feeling like their contribution matters so that's cost as well you know sick leave mental health leave all of those sort of things if these things aren't understood and the environment isn't created to help people contribute at their best well this is definitely a high priority for organizations I'm keen to understand how Code Conversations has been able to help your clients. Could you please provide a real-life client example of how Code Conversations has helped its clients to break the gender code? 
Mm, this is great because this is one of my favourite things to do and working in majority male, male-led organisations. So I was working with a construction company and a leader in, the, in that company approached me and they said, we need to improve our awareness around, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, we've got a real problem with women in leadership roles. We just don't have any. So we don't have our younger women coming through, stepping up. And we also need to, we see this as something that is absolutely needed to achieve our goals of being a top 1% employer. So they're like, can you help us? And I said, well, absolutely. I said, you know, what what do you really want your people to walk away with? And it was that increased awareness, uh, a little bit of understanding of what it's like for people in their organisation. So so women in particular, like, you know, what do they go through on a, on a daily basis? and why it's really important to have more diversity, equity and inclusion where everyone feels like they belong. So I was like, okay, let's get to it. So what we did is we thought a good way to do it it would be to bring everyone together with an event, so an online and in person. So it was a hybrid event. So bringing everyone together and putting on something where we have those three elements, like why it's important, stories of people there, and then some solutions and tools, you know, things that each person can do to start building a more inclusive culture. We thought, okay, this is optional. So people need to volunteer to be in the room. So what's going to really get them there? Like what, what's in it for them that, you know, that they're going to take an hour out of their day when they're super busy. So we thought let's tie it in with something that's, that's going to be attractive like that, what's in it for me factor. And recently the organisation had gone through a process of saying you know, their vision of where they want to head and where they want to be in the market, you know, compared to their competitors. And so they're like, okay, we want to be that top 1% employer. So they've done a lot of messaging, marketing, and there's a lot of buy-in for that goal. So I said, okay, how about we call the event How to Be a Top 1% Employer by making sure we have an inclusive environment where everyone can do their best work. So that is a lot more digestible than come along to our DE&I event so we can get more women, more jobs, you know, that sort of thing. So we need to focus on the messaging before. So there's key elements before, during and after. So making sure that the invitation and the importance is communicated by senior leaders and people who are respected in the organisation. So that messaging beforehand is really, really key. And then also what I like to do with all of these kinds of events or anything that is going to be helping the organisation to move the needle on equality and inclusion is to listen to the people in the organisation because they have all the best ideas. So I interviewed and had conversations with five people across the organisation, so from senior leader to coalface and a mix of genders. So I had, it was supposed to be 20 minute conversations, usually it was longer because people just love sharing. So we got the insights from them, so their language, their stories, their, you know, their insights, their ideas. So then I could tailor the event to that organisation so it feels really personal, really bespoke and a lot more meaningful. So that was the pre and, and the planning. So I weaved all of that into the into the presentation, plus speaking about the gender code and helping people with, you know, awareness, I guess an educational piece, that sort of thing. And then during the process beforehand and then what I presented at the event was all these great ideas coming from the people within the organisation. We came up with this simple playbook, just three key elements of 
what individual people can do to build a more a fairer or respectful workplace where everyone can do their best work so that you know this organization can be that top one percent employee achieve that goal and they came up with it I mean I sort of synthesized all the ideas from all the you know five different people but it's just a very simple playbook because if we look at the gender code so that was providing us all with the rules of engagement for millennia. Now we're breaking it down and those rules of engagement need to be rewritten. And that's going to be different for each individual person because we all make choices that, you know, how we build and execute our own personal code and our personal algorithm. So in the workplace, we need to reestablish those rules of engagement and the rules of belonging. And so we can do that by, you know, team by team or organisation wide. So these five people came up with this very simple playbook of respect and it had sort of three key elements, invite, connect and encourage and it was all done under the umbrella of respect and there was, you know, details within that. And so that provided, so we presented that at, at the event and then and then we did a report afterwards and that provided the foundation for the next iteration of their strategy so that they could embed diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging into their broader top 1% strategy. And it also provided the foundation for further conversations for them to build their own internal capacity and move beyond that. So that's just one example. That's an excellent example. What would be a key lesson you have learned that could help your future clients? I think one of the biggest ones is that you have everything you need typically within your organisation. So you, your people have the answers and you, unless you ask them, you won't know. So, you know, ask rather than assume. And, and that goes for asking them for ideas, asking them for insights, new ways of doing things. It also goes for asking you know how people want to be treated because we have that saying that has been around for a very long time treat people how you want to be treated but in actual fact it's treat people how they want to be treated and you don't know unless you ask them that's a great lesson and you've made some really great points so how does code conversations help organizations to make a start on breaking the gender code Mm, that's a really great question because that is exactly the most important step to take understanding where each organisation and then within that individual leaders are in terms of breaking the gender code, understanding the gender code, you know, exposing it, decoding it and recoding it. So I like to look at things on continuums. Maybe it's my you know finance background, I'm not quite sure, but looking at where the organisation is currently, what's the appetite, what's the, the pain, you know, where do you want to be? But looking at exactly where you are now so I look at sort of five different stages of change this is something I've learned through my coaching education is are you in pre-contemplation where you're not really going to do anything contemplation where you're thinking oh maybe we need to do something preparation action or maintenance so understanding where you are on that continuum is really important so what we do at Code Conversations is help with that with an initial chat or a diagnostic. So that could be like a survey or or speaking to people within your organisation get to get a lay of the land. So, and that's really good. So making that start sometimes can be the hardest part, taking that first step to just give me a call. But understanding where you are on that continuum is crucial. That's excellent. And I can see organisations wanting to know more about that. 
If an organization is seeking a long-term solution, what assistance could Code Conversations provide? Mm, great question. So obviously, as I mentioned before, there's that event. So there's a lot of effort and attention that goes into that and actually provides a whole lot of information for the organization leaders and, and team leaders on and, and gives heat maps for where the, the problem areas could be. Because we might say, oh, okay, we've just got to do this broad brush approach where everyone's got to do a module online. But the thing is that can create a little bit of backlash sometimes. It's like, well, I've got things sorted and why do I need to do this extra training and these other people are getting away with murder type of thing. So going through that process of that discovery phase as well and getting that data, then efforts can be a lot more focused in the area, the pockets that need the energy and attention, and it can be tailored to them. So the next step with that is what I like to call listening sessions. So uh, listening to people in those groups or, or broader groups and understanding their perspectives, getting their insights, listening to their stories and sharing stories with each other within groups. Another great way to get more data and insight. And then, you know, following that, we put a report together about next steps. And then also I have this a really great initiative or, or program called the Gender Code Ally Program. So that's something where organisations partner with me over a three, six, nine, 12 month period. And I'm basically their partner, the Gender Code Ally. So we have debrief sessions, like 90 minute debrief sessions. I provide insights and research around diversity, equity, inclusion, specific to their organisation. And because I know their organisation inside and out, because we've gone through these other processes, I'm able to give it really impactful, insightful and useful and powerful uh, information and insight so that they can drive that strategy and get, you know, get the people they want to, to get, you know, retain the people that they want and develop the people they want so that they can build their workforce capacity and reach their business objectives. That's a great long-term approach. So how do you engage a wider audience across the organisation to bring everyone on board? That's a really great question, Sharon, because engaging people more broadly across the organisation is the key to guarantee success. So a really great way to start is with the, the messaging and helping people to understand what's in it for me. So that individual motivation. But what studies and research have shown us is that actually when people can engage with the what's in it for my team and they can work together and they have that sense that they're contributing to their team or their broader organisation, that's when the rubber hits the road. That's one of the best motivators that there is. So understanding what's in it for me is incredibly important. And when the messaging comes from senior leaders and right from the top all the way down, and most significantly, their line managers. So when the message comes from them, then the, it increases likelihood of success. And then the other thing is storytelling. So in, another thing that I uh, do in organisations, which I absolutely love, are things like panel discussions, like in a hybrid event format, where I've spoken to the people beforehand, but we bring out select groups of people from the organisation and we just have a conversation together. And 
I draw out their story. So when people in the organisation, people that they work with, people that who they are, who lead them, can see a different side of them, especially when we do this with senior leaders, people can connect with these individual people. And what works really well is having the opportunity to showcase and share the stories, the insights and experiences of people who are already working within the organisation. And I help you know facilitate that and bring out and show and shine a spotlight on the people that you you know work with side by side that you interact with in different departments and it that is really really key crucial powerful way to break down stereotypes to realize that everyone is is human we're we're all human we're all struggling just to different degrees and it's all relative but it is a brilliant way to increase connection within organizations so they're the three things that I would recommend to talk to a broader audience and include everyone in this challenge that's an excellent way to give everyone the opportunity to participate and to feel included well thank you very much Danielle for joining us today from Code Conversations Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. It's been really, really enjoyable. And as a gift to the community, to the Supply Chain Partners community, I'd love to offer a complimentary 30-minute call for anyone who is doesn't even know where they are on the on the continuum that I spoke about, who who wants to make a change but just not really sure how. So uh, give me a call. Let's arrange a time to to speak. And I, at, at the very least, I can probably offer you some insights and some ideas. So my contact details will be provided and I look forward to hearing from you. That's excellent. Thank you very much, Danielle. Well, that concludes today's episode about breaking the gender code to drive premium business performance with Code Conversations. Their contact details are provided below. So join us again at Supply Chain Partners TV and podcast, where we meet with our expert members at Supply Chain Partners to discuss key business and supply chain issues, topics and trends, including logistics, supply chain management, technology and much more. We welcome you to subscribe to this Supply Chain Partners channel and we look forward to you joining us again in a future episode.